Thank you all so much for sticking with us. It's been challenging both due to our schedule and then some unexpected technical difficulty. So thank you very much for letting us put out our Married at First Sight episode with our 90-day episode this week. Hoping to be right back on schedule this week. Again, kind of gives me a more of appreciation for folks that are really on it or on time. Yes. Because life life happens and there's so much you can't control. And I, I'm, I'm honestly more amazed that folks can just continuously put out content in like well-scheduled intervals. Yeah. We have amazing listeners. Thank you so much for never holding it against me or giving me bad reviews or anything. I always try to put them out as soon as I possibly can. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, we, we had... We traveled down to the Bay Area, and I think in our minds, we had this idea that we'd watch the episode while we were down there. The hotel didn't have the channel, which really screwed me, and then I tried to get into the app and then was having difficulties with that and the whole thing. But the plan, I think that you're getting at, is we were coming back so early Friday that it'd be no problem putting it out at the usual afternoon time on Friday. We had a 6 a.m. flight from uh, San Jose to where we live. And we got in at like 8 a.m. And we were just so tired. There was no way. If we recorded a pod, it would have just been trash. Like, probably wouldn't even have cared to listen to it. Then there was kind of some obligations we had that ended up snowballing. And just, it just was not going to happen. And then Saturday, we were thinking, okay, no problem. We'll knock it out. <laughs> it was like so all day. many technical issues. What we could record Sounded like absolute ass. So you did really not want to listen I'm really hoping to that. this episode doesn't sound like trash. If we record for as long as we are today and it doesn't sound good, I'm going to be so sad. Like, we're going out right now and getting new mics. Like, yeah. we're not even messing with this anymore. So, apologies again, but thank you so much for being here with us, giving us your time, and hope you enjoy. Starting off with Married at First Sight, Season 14, Reunion Part 1. I loved it. It was the best episode this season, maybe because things felt so slow over the entire season, but I like to see how everything unfolded. They actually got through every single couple, right? Yes. That was surprising. I thought we were going to get two for two hours. I thought we were going to get half. Yeah, this one had a really good pace and the content was actually worthwhile. Like the fact that they sat down with Chris and Alyssa... I actually really enjoyed them, even though we're probably not going to get Alyssa's full intentions. I like that we got sort of some difficult questions asked. and Alyssa's uh, sticking to her guns. She really is. They're all lies, but she's sticking to them. I thought there were juicy details right from the start, specifically about Lindsay, and I loved every second of it. So I'm going to save that for their portion, but I have lots of thoughts and feelings. Let's start with Isaac and Katina. They replayed the strip tease, which made me so uncomfortable again. Every single time they show this. I just think of her poor mother. Katina mentioned that Isaac told her about it before he did it. She should have shut that that down. She should have just ended it right there. I don't know if I would be down for that in the wedding. Think of your siblings or your close friends. It's weird. It's weird. So we go into an overview of the wedding, kind of what they've been through. And then we get through... Many flashbacks of him talking about cooking being a deal breaker. Through all of this, we talk about Isaac's growth a lot. He says he shouldn't have been so stern. He should have watched his tone. 
but he never regrets what he said. I think he mentioned that he could have just said it in a different manner, but he still means everything he He said. He still means my wife better cook. These kids need a meal. Our theoretical fake children need a meal before they go to bed. You're less of a woman if you don't cook and do these things and wait on me hand and foot. He means all of that. Which is interesting because when Kevin was poking and prodding to them, he said that they don't cook every single day. Now. 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 He also it's interesting he recognizes that she works now which is nice right before she's like you work in it you work at home home. it doesn't count like what what is that i felt most of this episode was talking to isaac about isaac and about his growth we did not talk about how katina felt going through all of these things we did not talk about how she feels reflecting on it we're just feeding this man's ego and i didn't really like it there was only one point where Katina was really allowed to speak and say, yes, what he said hurt me. It bothered me. But that was it. We didn't expand on anything. I mean, we saw many specific things with Isaac that we addressed, but that wasn't the case with Katina. And I felt like it was just a continuation of how she was shown on the show. She was not really interviewed when they had even the very few expert times. We did not talk to Katina and what she might be going through in those instances. We only talked about Isaac and what Isaac wants. It would have been really interesting to play one of the scenes where we saw Katina sort of be very closed off or sort of Isaac's doing all the talking for them. Mm -hmm. I would be really interested to have them watch one of those scenes and say, like, what are you thinking in this scene? Because you're very quiet. You're not speaking. You know, these are these are some scenes where fans had a lot of questions about sort of your state in the relationship. And I also wonder if she would just say, I like when he talks for me. I like when he talks for us and he is kind of that leading individual in our relationship. Even if she said that, I'd be like, fine, whatever. That's not what I want. But hey, you like that and you're happy. So who cares? But the fact that it never even gets brought up, I hate that we just don't get her opinion, even if that is her opinion. That's fine. Katina says at one point that Isaac is not for a weak person. Made me really uncomfortable because I feel like she is holding her value in relation to him and who he is. So I'm not weak because I dealt with this and I'm dealing with this strong person. So that makes me strong. Yeah, Isaac also mentions, and this is towards the end of their segment, but he mentions something like, don't let the internet like lead you to a certain direction. She's tough. She's stuck with me. But in honestly, my translation was that I kind of treated her like shit and challenged her. She stuck through that and look at her now. Now she's a happy, powerful oh, woman. I'm like, I hated I'm like, that wait, line. so women need to like suffer through the beginnings of relationships? Yes, because she manifested. Look at her. She has a ring. She has a husband. She manifested this for herself. I hated that. My counter to that is like, well, what if the relationship was just like it is now back then? It seems like that would be such a much more happy person at this very moment. But it took her so many months to get there. That doesn't seem like a good thing to me. Isaac ends up proposing and it felt so performative. He didn't do this in private when they got their own place in their apartment. He didn't do it and create a beautiful environment for her. He did it in front of the cameras because he wanted that pat on the back. And she loved it. Were you surprised it was not a James Allen ring? Not surprised. I honestly, 
It'd be so funny if every guy was given a James Allen ring to give to their wives. That'd be so funny. And it, they should have thought of that. Why does Steve, why is Steve if, the only one that got it? What if Steve kicks off this sort of um, influencer sort of handle with companies on this show to sponsor more things? Oh, I, there was product placement all over the show, I bet. And we didn't even pick it up. I think you're right. But not to the level of in your face. Like the James Allen was? As the James that Allen was, thing. That was real direct. I wonder if more, even more um, future husbands will pick up on that and say, wow, I'm going to try to get a free ring out of this. Like, I'm going to go talk to my local jeweler here. They should. Why not? Yeah. Get all the money. Yeah. Some folks kind of predicted before decision day how it seems like Katina was going to say yes because it seems like she's, I don't want to say desperate to be married, but sort of. I don't she think she wants really to start over. Wants to be married. Yes, like, it's it's like she a holds a lot of value. There. In There's that. a lot of value there, and it kind of it kind of showed when she got the ring. I mean, it was very special for her to get that moment. I just really didn't like that she was saying it was all worth it. And I'm just thinking this material object doesn't make up for that in my eyes in mm. how I value it. I mean, we took that love language quiz. Gifts are so like yeah, I do not hold value to them. So if you're an asshole and you give me something nice, cool. That doesn't make up for it Mm -hmm. to me. But Katina loved that moment and that's all that matters. Like, yeah, we're talking shit about it, but she was happy. She loved it. So whatever. And they're together. So I just want better for her. I think that's why I'm so frustrated is I think she's an amazing woman and she deserves an amazing man who's going to treat her really well and not test her and hold her to these expectations that she herself never wanted to be held to. At one point, Isaac said that he's upset that no one called him out during the dating app incident, especially at dinner, and that never would have flown. And everyone at that dinner knew that they couldn't challenge him and say, hey, don't talk to her that way. Hey, don't don't speak like this. Don't speak about her this way. That would have never happened. Of course, he can say that now with a cool head looking back at it. But think about at that dinner. Yeah, who's going to really... If Michael was like, hey, you need to not speak like that. He'd be like, I'm going to fight you. (laughs) (laughs) What if Katina was the one to challenge him? It wouldn't work. No. It just wouldn't work. No, because he needs someone that's more submissive and she knows that. That's what makes him happy. Do you want to talk about their relaxation time? Oh, okay. So I guess they have a bedtime routine and they didn't specifically say what it was, but it can be inferred. It means possibly a BJ every night before bed, you know, so he's relaxed, his relaxation time, because could be a he matters. Could be an HJ. Sure. It, I, I took Some it as J. something sexual. Some kind sure. of J. Some type of job. <laughs> Some type of job is done at night. <laughs> you got... You Why got are we doing this. this fucking Kara thing again? Oh, yeah. Why... Is it okay and the expectation to be on these women to relax and satisfy their men, but these women get nothing in return and that's okay? Maybe because it would be a bit uncomfortable, but they didn't go into that of like... They well, didn't you, and they giggled guys, and stuff no, and that's Ke- why. Because Kevin could have said like, but you guys weren't having sex during, during your two months. She was very clear that she wanted sex. She wanted to have sex with him. And well, he was the one no. holding back, but getting BJs? No. He was saying something like... Oh, if I go all in and we have sex, uh, it won't mean as much anymore. No, or something but, like, but you're getting a BJ every night? That's how I took it. That's good. good way to just um, not include that in your statement. Yeah. And you still get what you need while not giving anything to your partner. 
You should be embarrassed by that. That's pretty fascinating. Oh, it was right, Ryan. Ryan and Clara. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ubre, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here all these years. So with Chris and Alyssa, nothing really new happened. Though I absolutely love Chris standing up for himself. As well as essentially saying, I would have left her way sooner if I knew all of this that happened in the background. It's amazing even after all this time, Alyssa just doesn't get what people are saying to her as far as I'm here for the right reasons and they're and, and the everyone and everyone's minds is like, What are you talking about? This is a show to find your like forever person, your partner. It's not to make friends, not to do these events, all this other extra shit. The goal of the show is to find you, your someone, your special someone. So when you say you're here for all the right reasons, when you've already decided that this person isn't that person. Based on looks. Your time on the show has ended. Like there is no more point for you to be on this show. It's not about the experience. So if you're here for the right intentions, then you would say, hey, This isn't for me. It's not going to work. I'd like to get a divorce and bow out. Not, um, I want to be a part of the experience. Mm. That's not being here for the true intentions. It felt like her tiny apology or maybe more acknowledgement that it wasn't very good. It felt very fake, forced, and she couldn't even face Chris during this segment. I wonder if in the future the show will modify this whole talking to your best maids, best ladies, at the wedding night because I feel like that moment she had with Chris's best best men, best maids, whatever, it was such a cop-out for her. Because at the moment, she's probably looking at it any way out. Yes. In, in, any way That's out of the situation. And they said some basic things about his personality, which she never got a chance to know or figure out on her own, and just stuck with that and said, yep, I'm out. They said one negative thing about him. Uh, I don't think we could match. She never got to know him at all. She keeps talking about who he is a person, his values. We don't, we're not compatible, but she has no idea who Chris is. She decided to take the easy way out, latch onto something and say, this is why we're not compatible because something someone else said, which is wild. There was a portion where she said, they basically aired the scene of them at the honeymoon of her just going in on Chris and just talking mad shit, calling him essentially a used car salesman. Yeah. And a loser. And she hates him and she hates producers. And she, she throws that word around a lot. She hates the experts. And she, she kind she tried to apologize and said she was in the right state of mind. She fell on that so hard. It was so frustrating for her to say, I was not in the right state of mind. It was the mental state I was in. This is where I think, she was at at that moment in time she's in a place that she doesn't want to be in with someone she doesn't like i think that at that moment she's really looking at any way out of the situation and that sort of molded into her essentially making fun of him talking shit about him making fun of him making fun of the show it's kind of like you're on the attack on every possible avenue because in reality you just want out of the situation, but you don't really know how to get out of it versus just talking to someone saying like, Hey, I want a divorce. This is not for me. She's kind of just attacking everything. My favorite part is when she said that she didn't know right or wrong. You're an adult that decided to get married at first sight. You have seen, what is it? 15 seasons of this show now, but you didn't know 
what it was going to be like. You didn't know right from wrong just as a human adult. Okay. During that scene you were just talking about where she's talking to the producers after the tennis court kind of incident, she asks, why hasn't anyone flown out yet? That is so gross. And the producer's I'm like, upset. Why didn't someone fly here to comfort me and make this better? The producer was like, you mean like the experts? Do you want to talk to them? No, I hate them. What do you want? I'm what tell- do you want? She wants an out and just doesn't know how to get it. She could. God, it would have been so much better if she was just saying, this isn't it. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry. Goodbye. That's it. But instead, let's attack this person on every level. You know, when Kevin asked, why did you decide to go on the honeymoon if you weren't feeling this? But here's my thing against that. It didn't really seem like she had a great time on the honeymoon. No, but I mean, she probably did with the girls. I guess we only do see a section of their honeymoon time. They, I mean, on the boat with all the girls, she probably had a great time. But they're essentially just talking about Chris as well. Like It almost doesn't go away. But you have to realize they probably got together that night. They probably went out as a group and she hung out with all the girls. She probably had fun. Hmm. Chris said it was not very hard to make the decision. And perfect. He was spicy. I I enjoyed Chris. Loved his side eye. Jasmina and Michael made me mad all over again. I had so much hope at the end of last episode that they were going to try to make this work. They got into one fight and that was it. I tried to tell all of you that I wasn't buying all of these yeses on decision day until after all this shit was over, all the cameras were gone, and I was proven half correct because it's from their breakdown, it kind of seems like it happened very quickly. Like the date, like... Michael explained it at one point. It was like, it seems like right after decision day, she was kind of not into it or or didn't work out. Yeah. We started off the segment with a replay of Jasmina talking about Michael's tone and being aggressive. And that pissed me off all over again. She still stands by the word aggressive, says she knows the implications of what it means. And yeah, she picked that word correctly. I just don't buy it. Personally, I mean, I'm not there. Who knows? Yeah, we're not there, but... I just from cannot... What, well, I think my definition of aggressive is probably a little bit different than hers. I think so, too. And just from what I've... I mean, again, this is what is caught on camera. From what I've seen from Michael, I just don't feel like aggressive is just how I could describe him. No. I think Jasmina doesn't realize her own tone and aggression, and maybe she should look inward on that because... He is not the only one with a tone issue if we want to get into that. We find out that Michael and Jasmina did not speak for the first month. How did we... That's how good their editing is. We had no implication of that while watching this season. And they said that they couldn't stand a beat next to each other? Nope, hated being around each other. We thought they were distant and that they were really bad at doing the exercises together and Jasmina rolling her eyes all the time. But we didn't know that they literally were not talking. Mm-hmm. Were they even living together? Did she go home? God, I'm not sure. I, they're never going to tell us that. What I kind of gathered was Michael did not feel comfortable speaking to her. And that's why they essentially did not speak for the first month. She hated him, was very annoyed by his presence. And he was scared to be labeled as aggressive again. Boy, we can say all of their issues come from that. Are you going to try to romance someone that you're scared is going to label you as aggressive that you can't even have a hard conversation with because they're going to shut down and constantly say, let me speak. 
I don't like your tone. No, I'm not going to try to romance someone. I honestly think their decision day, yes, was a bit fake because yep. the whole time Kevin was talking to Jan- Jasmine and Michael and he's like, he's like, you were friend zoned. And they were all in sync of, yeah, we were in the friend zone. And it makes me think like, why did you even say yes? What was the point when you have completely solidified in your mind? Like, there's no way I'm going to make the, the jump from being this person's friend to being a a partner or romantic partner. What is the point of saying yes? I didn't like that. Kevin was sort of challenging Michael that he should have sort of chased her. Yeah. But I got Michael's, I was on Michael's, I was on Michael's side of it's hard to chase someone when you're sort of either. She's telling you like, I don't feel that way about you. She said it so much more than we knew at all. It's like, why am I going to chase this person when it clearly has told me, that they are not into this. They're not into me. Why Why am I going to go through those emotions? Why would I try to be physical with someone that clearly says day after day, I don't like you? Why would I touch their butt? Why would I give them a butt slap? Why would I hug them out of nowhere? If they've said that, it would just be uncomfortable. I mean, it'd be weird. Exactly. When you have it in that context and everyone is saying, Michael, why didn't you just hold her hand? Why would you? After decision day, Michael says that he did not have much to hold on to, that she did not want it to work. And I can see that. Jasmina rebuttals by saying that she tried harder than he did. I think what they need is so different and what they want is so different because Jasmina talks about how she was annoyed that he only planned one night for her. Basically, it sounds like a date night in at one of their houses. And she felt like she was doing enough by just texting him every day. We're constantly giving Michael shit, but what is she doing to help or save this relationship? If you're constantly telling this man you're not attracted to him, you don't like him, you're only friends, and then your expectation is for him to plan date nights, but the only thing you're giving him is friendly texts in the day, I don't see how we can blame this all on Michael. I think I was reading too much into this because from what we know about Jasmina, she's only had long distance relationships. I go back to that so much. Exactly. Where where texting is is a big part of the relationship. Yes, in exactly. Th- in their case, they're in the same town. For Michael, texting might not be his first choice in forming a relationship. He could say, well, let's go hang out. Let's talk on the phone. Where her saying, oh, I made sure to text him every day. I'm like, but to Michael, that could mean you know nothing. He's just yeah. like, I'm not into texting. A friend. Texting. Yeah. She does say that she always complimented Michael and that Michael never complimented her, which sucks. Every girl wants to be complimented. But I shouldn't even say every girl. Every person wants to be complimented. So that sucks that he couldn't give that to her. But I keep falling back on he had nothing. He knew he had nothing. Why is he going to go out of his way to say or do things when the only thing Jasmine is giving him is I'm not attracted to you. I didn't feel like Jasmina could take accountability in this segment at all. She just placed it all on him, what he was not doing, and never once thought of what she lacked and what she was not doing for him. At the end of the segment, she talks about how basically they can be friends, and Michael said he has enough sisters when talking about her opinion in regards to other women. And I love that. True. He does have a lot of sisters, and he doesn't need you to take that role. I was duped for the hundredth time this season. I had so much hope. 
Yeah, and it was definitely a couple that once they both said yes, it seemed like the fan base was so happy. I was so happy. To, to I said I really wanted them to work in real life and forever. It, and It's no. kind of giving you hope that they have a chance to make it. And you know, to find out they didn't make it is sad, but... They'll be fine. I loved the replay of Noi telling Steve that she was falling in love with him on the honeymoon. And him being like, noted. That, that's, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Okay, she did not take Steve's last name. And I don't want to hear any shit about this. (laughs) She doesn't want to be Noi Moi? She doesn't, and that's the cutest name. She should take it. Super cute. So I also, like, I didn't take Leon's name. And not out of anything spiteful. It's not, I just like my identity. And the thought of waiting at the DMV and getting my credit cards changed. You don't want to create a new human? I don't. Like I said, if we ever had kids, I don't care how they can have your name. I just don't. Like, this is who I am as right. far as my identity, and I would like to keep it. And I actually told Ellie we could combine our last names. <laughs> we do have a really funny combined name, last name. And I'm, I would consider that over only me changing my name. Like, if we both went through the process. How funny. Like, if we did a family tree, and they're like, why did this name change so dramatically on this branch? But I get where Noi's coming from, especially, I mean, she's taking this to another level, having her apartment still. I, I honestly, I've been in studios. I've lived in small apartments. I have no fucking idea what is with this fucking studio. No, because it's not something that she worked hard and she got as her first place out of her parents. She got this out of absolute necessity when her and her boyfriend broke up. So, like, I don't... I mean, I guess that is a very sensitive time in your life. You moved across country to be with this person and then you end up being alone in this new city. So I guess maybe all that traumatic experience is wrapped up into this apartment and how she kind of had to pull herself up. I get that. But I don't know if I would hang on to that if I'm so in love with my husband. I would be like, let's close that door and let's move into this new apartment with my husband and let's have a great life together. Well, if you think about it, during their entire season, her big thing was always worrying about finances, being financially responsible, being, yes. in, you know, all of the, all of these things. But at this moment, they're both paying for two different places. Let's be honest. Steve is paying the majority of both of these places. I don't think so. I wouldn't I think he would think be paying so. for her rent. During the season, I understand you obviously don't pay rent and that's like your biggest bill. But the fact that he paid 90% of the bills or what is it? Three quarters of the bills. I couldn't remember exactly. But he paid the majority of the bills. So is he paying everything else and then she only pays her apartment then? I guess you don't need cable and shit if you're never living there. You're there once a week. Yeah, they said they spend six days out of the week at Steve's place. Yeah. But I just I don't feel... Know, I don't know what this one day is for either. What is the one day for? And what day of the week is that? No idea. I would be really uncomfortable. You're not all in this then. You're keeping a backup apartment and you're one foot out. I also noticed... I'm probably wrong in thinking this, but... Okay, this is very super controversial, I think. Oh, no. I don't, I don't <laughs> take... Man, people are going to hate me for this. I think going to marriage counseling is actually a warning sign. No. No, because because what is going on with them that they need marriage counseling? No. I love the idea of counseling before you even have a problem or you know how to communicate together. Why go to counseling as your last line? Right. 
Let's work on issues as they come up. As a little tune-up. Let's tune up the car. Let's not take the car in only when it's dead. Maybe what I should say is, as a viewer... That's signaling something oh, to that me. Oh, that felt very healthy to me. Oh, to I, you? Yes. To I me, took the, it was like a warning. No, I took that as, wow, they're really, they're taking these huge first steps to really be compatible together. They're learning what triggers the other person. They are getting all of these really nice tools because clearly they don't know how to talk to each other without it being on social media. So maybe she can reel that in and learn other healthy tools to talk to him. This is a topic I could totally see. It's one of those things where you make a poll and it's totally like 50-50. Yeah. I honestly didn't even care that Sriracha came out. Don't really know what no. that added to Why the Why did they say that's like America's sweetheart or whatever? America's... She took the internet by storm. Not really. I've like never... I don't think I've ever tweeted about or talked about Sriracha. I'm just like... Also, I just used her pronoun. Sorry. I'm not sure what they use. So we'll stick to they, them. But... Uh, when they are in sriracha mode, yes. they said she. Okay, okay. It was That's probably what they prefer. Yeah. Okay. Going off what you said, I don't know why sriracha was brought out. I feel like there were plenty of side characters I would have way rather heard from. For example, Alyssa's friend who she lied to completely bring her out after the season came on. I want to know what she thinks of her friend now. That'd be interesting. Lied to her face for that entire meal. Even the way it was set up, other couples didn't have someone, no a, third, one. a third party, come Give in and talk Lindsay's with them. Give me Lindsay's dad. Give me Lindsay's friends that gave Mark the no button. Come on. There's just so many more kind of side characters that would have been more, more interesting. Because I thought it was really shitty as well that Sriracha said that Steve is condescending. When Sriracha and Noi talked so much shit about him and talked so poorly about him behind his back. Sriracha also said that Steve talks to Noi as a child. And I think when Steve is being really calm and direct, maybe they take that as speaking to her like a child. But that was never the sense I got through any of their serious conversations. He said how he felt, how... He would like her to react to that or come to him versus going to social media. I think Noi's really immature, so it's hard to say. It made it worse because her responses seemed immature. Yep. When he sort of talked to her and it's my social media, I'm going to post whatever I want. I'm like, okay, now you're sounding immature. This is our relationship. And I mean, I guess you're always going to have your sisters back. So that's a huge part of it. Okay, my most favorite exciting part I've been waiting to talk about. Lindsay's wild. Holy shit, she's gonna die on this hill that she did nothing wrong, right? So before the episode kind of got into each individual couple, we got another glimpse of who Lindsay really is. Lindsay says during this experience, she didn't expect this to be like taking on three jobs, like a constantly patting herself on the back. And that was the theme through this whole episode is how she will pat herself on the back while putting everyone else down. We also found out that she cannot keep her mouth shut. Steve told Noi to never tell Lindsay something that would be sensitive or that she wouldn't want out. As soon as Lindsay found out that they had sex, she went right to the producer. And Steve says, my producer told me that you told them. This was not a group conversation like you're trying to sell it. If you look at Lindsay's face, it's she good. seems totally She's... caught off guard. Yep. And I do believe Steve. I think there's 
zero. There's no fucking reason why Steve is making any of this shit up. No. Like, and he's calm and he's direct and he's not trying to create drama. He's telling a fact of events that happened exactly the way it happened. And he says, when you are confronted with something, there is always an excuse. In this segment, the most you pick up that Lindsay is never going to be, it's never going to be her fault. She's really good at telling a tale where she is uplifting herself and she's never in the wrong. Nope. She's really good at that. Scary. Never takes accountability. Why would a producer lie to Steve? Lindsay only loved Mark when he was doing everything that she wanted. The first example we see is day one at the honeymoon, fight with Isaac happens. Mark has to smooth it over, apologize on behalf of her, protect her, Mm. and make her feel like she was in the right almost, or at the very minimum, that she wasn't wrong. She's crying on the balcony. We see her say, I love my husband, because he didn't realize how manipulative she was at that point. This is like day two of marriage. Yep. Uh, And he was, but no, he was on board. He was like, okay, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to apologize for her. But when it happened again and again and again, you, you can't keep that up. While we still did not see the bowling alley scene, we did get a pretty sweet montage of Lindsay saying she was done like every single week and walking out. So I enjoyed that. While Lindsay says that she does wish that she didn't say a lot that she did say, Mark says that he wishes he said more. And... I think it would have been so much worse if he did that. Because he mentions he's very non-confrontational. He tries to avoid conflict, mm-hmm. which in a lot of their arguments, he would either just walk away or even even in, even in the bowling alley alley scene, his one remark is like, "Do you want another drink? Do you want another drink?" And then he just he's just walking away. <laughs> yeah. Versus when Lindsay just keeps going and going and going of just putting this man down and talking mad shit, it does seem like Mark tends to be the one to walk away first. Maybe emotionally. He would shut down, but she physically goes, I'm done, and walks out. Mm -hmm. I think physically leaving is worse than kind of shutting down. Both are shitty, but physically leaving, I think, is another level. Kevin asks, are you guys together? And Lindsay responds with, absolutely not. She feels that Mark used her to work on the house. I I don't think he would have said yes on decision day for the free labor. <laughs> right. And it wasn't even labor. They got contractors. Yes. They they did not. I mean, they got rid of the clutter, but they weren't physically like doing drywall work, plumbing. Man, remodels will challenge any relationship, but a relationship that fragile? Come on. This is the one part where I kind of felt bad for Lindsay because mm. she gave up her apartment. Okay. Which takes a big lease. It does. You're you're assuming you're about to move in with this person. I mean, I mean, essentially you're unpacking. Someone's moved into your apartment. It's probably a hot market like everywhere else is. Someone swooped up that apartment real quick. So you, obviously that's gone. They get into some argument. I don't know who's right, who's wrong. They were fucking throwing jabs pretty good at each other of how it okay, went but down. But why do you feel bad for her? That's what I feel bad because. Once you get into this argument and you're like, okay, this isn't working out. Like we, we can't live together. Whatever, however way it transpired to we can't live together. I mean, Mark's got a house and Lindsay's like, well, fuck, I have no apartment. Like my apartment's gone. That's where I was like, you know, that sucks. You fell for it. 
No, I that's mean, the I'm story not... she said. No. That's the story she sold. Right. I right. gave up my apartment. We got into an argument. We don't get into details about right, what was right, said. Right. And then he's kicking me out. He's threatening me. He said he's going to change the locks. No, fuck that. I believe Mark's side. She threatened him. She got intense. You're going to threaten me? Get out. I do notice. I understand what Lindsay, you're saying, but I'm so anti-Lindsay. I do notice Lindsay... When she tells a story, she always omits the part where <laughs> she took it to the next she level. She took it to the next level, or maybe she might have instigated something. She'll just tell you the end result of I lost my apartment and he's got a house. He and threatened he me, me out. to throw me out and now I don't have anywhere to live. But we don't talk about anything that led up to that. Yeah. And that's this is where I say like she she probably does that the best out of all of the cast. It's yeah. I hate to like just grill Lindsay the whole time, but it's there's like a lot of things that people should really call out about her. Like she talks either about her future, how she is now. Every point she makes is really a point to put down Mark. Yep, absolutely. Or it's a everything. It's an opportunity to put him down. She can't just say, uh, "I'm doing great. I moved. I'm really happy where I'm at." Boom. That's it. Like no, it's it's a calculated way to put down this other human being. It's so gross how calculated it is. And we get the perfect example in this damn letter. You sat down. How many times did you write this and pick these words perfectly and strung them together to make the most impact? Mark says that she is the worst bully of his life. And that's so fucking sad. Considering You're he adults. Just, he just mentioned like growing up, I was bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I kind of get that thought process, right? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Mark was like a chubby kid. Maybe he was uh, not the cool kid. Kids are fucking shitty. If <laughs> yes, someone says they were bullied when they were a kid, like they're getting bullied. Yeah. They're getting picked on, right? They're making, they're, oh, you're, you know, you're tubby or whatever the fuck yeah. kids do nowadays that make fun of kids. Like, and he's calling you as an adult the biggest bully. So in this letter, I kind of just wrote down the main portions. And she says, I truly believe I made your life better. She follows it up with a list of all that she has ever done for him. She says, I gave you the Lindsay magic. I can't say my life is better for knowing you. It is through giving that we actually receive. Theory, every ex Lindsay has had has heard of the Lindsay magic. (laughs) The Lindsay effect, yes. Every ex. I don't want that effect. It's a big ripple. No, thank you. Put that in writing. I do love Mark's response. He said, well, um, didn't know we were writing stuff, but uh, <laughs> I told you then I wish you the best in California. Yep. And I'm telling told you this you. now. Wish you the best. I think given all that he dealt with, he did a really good job of keeping his cool as much as he could. I would have lost my shit. Let me go back to one thing in the letter. We could not end this season without getting a list of all that she has done for him. You do not do things out of the good of your heart to then keep track and keep score. That's so ugly. I don't keep track of shit I've done for my friends. No. You just do shit. No, exactly. In a relationship, you can't do that either because you will drive yourself and the person crazy. For example. You're keeping score. I took out the trash. I did the dishes. I did the laundry. You, You need to do this for me to even out the score. It will never be 50 50. It never will. Someone online said it perfectly, and it was months ago. This person said, Lindsay will give you the shirt off your back and remind you every single day that she gave you that shirt. You kind of talked about it all season when you mentioned 
She's all about receipts. She's always keeping receipts. Cannot honestly, honestly, that. this letter was the perfect example of how she keeps receipts. Yeah. Not only that, it's on paper. <laughs> she thought this out. <laughs> you can always give someone a little more wiggle room and a little more space when they say something out of passion or in a moment. But she wrote this in a letter. How many drafts of this letter exist? And she picked it. Yeah. Lindsay has moved to Palo Alto, which was wild. We were just there. Yeah, it's like super expensive. <laughs> she has a great new job. She loves her life. She said she does better without her family. And so I get, I don't know. She, which it seems is, like she... Which counters to Mark, who she says, you want to be close to yes, family. Yes, exactly. And he wouldn't, I don't think he would move across country. He really likes being close to what he knows. So even in that one regard, it wouldn't have worked. Then the rest of the episode is calling Mark dumb. Why? You're not with this man anymore. Why do you have to insult him every single breath that comes out of your mouth? It's because he's the one that ended it. She she, wants that. She wants to be the one that ended it. She she tries to sound smart herself by saying he has a lack of intellect. She has no fucking intellect to me. Absolutely no maturity, no emotional intelligence. Stop, Lindsay. Also, there's very smart people in Boston. Stop. She had a very interesting scene where she mentions she's basically boosting herself up. She says, like, you know, I'm a really smart person. I'm I'm really quick-witted. I was like, I need a man who's intelligent. And that's why I find myself with a lot of engineers. Fun fact, Leon is a network engineer. I cannot imagine you or any of these coworkers putting up with Lindsay. They would, she would run them over. They're so quiet. I mean, they're very like internally confident. They're very good at what they do. But I cannot imagine like Lindsay coming to one of the work dinners. I think she did mention something about confidence. I'm like, well, a lot of engineers are super confident, confident in their area of focus. I agree. I just, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to use myself as an example. I'm like, I don't know if Lindsay and I would mesh. No. She would steamroll the shit out of you. You're so nice and like quiet. And I don't know. I just cannot imagine. She would say, she would ruin you. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually caught on. I guess she was talking about some engineer she dated. And you mentioned that this well, is all. She said the- that she met someone. Right. But she was also talking about it in the past tense. Like it was over. She really enjoyed the time. He was really smart. Everything was past tense. So this is not, this is some dude she went on two dates with and he was like, you're too much. So we find out Mark is just focusing on work. He hasn't dated anyone. He has just passed the firefighter. Kind of, it sounds like entrance exam. He lost 40 pounds. He's doing great. He looks awesome. I hope he finds someone that makes him very happy and kind of has that, family value as he does that wants to raise the kids in the house and have amazing Christmases and have family meals. And that's what he wants. While I talk mad shit for Lindsay, I just think she's really hurt. I think she needs to work through these things. She needs to deal with the trauma of her mother. I don't know if she's going to put in the work to do all of that, but we do wish her the best. Right. I mean, we mentioned it before. It's anything she mentions, it's does a really good job of not painting yourself in the wrong yeah ever you have to sort of (laughs) accept that you are in the wrong in some of these situations on the next time on we get some 
severely missed expert time. I don't know why we're talking about anything now with them, why we're bringing them on when we had no time with them in the season. So I feel like this is almost a slap in the face to these poor couples that had to navigate all of this on their own. I don't, yeah, I don't need a debrief from experts of why we did or didn't work. No. Like, what is the point now? Don't worry. We see Alyssa say that she's a good person as well. Isaac goes on to insult Katina because we cannot have an episode without that. He says that she does not take accountability. Then we have Jasmina being Jasmina and not allowing Michael to talk. And last but not least, Lindsay might be getting called out kind of by the rest of the cast and will not apologize to Mark when asked to do so. Oh, I'm sure she's attacking everybody. Yeah. I'm She's sure going to feel it. cornered and then go on the defense, which it sucks to be cornered. But I mean, she kind of deserves oh, it. Oh, I wouldn't even say defense. I'd say offense. All right. Switching it up a little bit. We're going to go to 90 Day Fiance, Season 9, Episode 6. I did not write down the title. I'm sorry. We may or may not have been watching this in the car. <laughs> in the McDonald's drive-thru. It's kind of turned into a Sunday tradition. So our McDonald's is totally screwed on Sunday mornings for some reason. And so we'll sit in this super long line and we'll watch 90 Day. Bailal is infuriating. Every single scene with him was so dumb. He seems really fucking childish. So childish and views himself in such a beautiful high light. Like he is the perfect person. And what he thinks and what he feels is the only thing that matters. Instead of comforting Shida because she mentioned being nervous, he says, I can't tell you not to be nervous. He constantly minimizes how she is feeling. By saying, I can't tell you not to be nervous, he's not comforting or reassuring in any way. He's kind of telling her she's on her own. Then this is where we see kind of shit starting to hit the fan. Shida says that she wants Bailal to respect her feelings. And it starts heating up. He says, if you recall what I just said, why do you speak to her like this? She's not your child. She's not a child. Now, so this is them talking about her nerves behind meeting his ex and kind of uh, what that means versus his visit to Trinidad. He's like, you just came as a visitor. Like you're, you know, you're exploring. Uh, I'm coming as like the future, like a wife. Yeah. Uh, It's a different type of meeting, different style, different nerves, right? When you're just a visitor, you're kind of, it's very casual. Very like, Hey, here to party. What's up everyone? Versus like, I'm here to be like the stepmother of these kids. And he refuses to acknowledge that. He has another wonderful prank, says she has a booger in her nose, and she immediately knows that he's fucking lying. So he does it all the time. Yeah, he always has some dumb thing to do to her. She slapped the top of his head, and that's when he starts trying to get into the whole disrespect thing. I don't know where you came from, but where I'm from, you keep your hands to yourself. He was really corny. Okay, Super cool. Now, I agree that everyone should keep their hands to themselves. Just any age, any reason... No one should touch each other unless they want to be touched, of course. But he took it way too far. He could have simply said, I didn't like that. That made me feel this way. Don't do that because it makes me feel this way. Instead, we're going to put her down. We're going to treat her like a kid. We're going to discipline her and teach her a lesson. Their their scenes are a great example of how a relationship changes when you're sort of in the honeymoon, the initial phases versus when you're sort of more living with each other and experiencing life together. 
which is kind of, it, I feel like Shida's going through this. Yeah. Like, she's like, wow, when we were in Trinidad, it was like super happy and lovey-dovey and all this stuff. Now he seems like a different person. Because she's on his turf. He has full control. Mm-hmm. He pulls over and asks, you thought I was joking. He continues to ask her where she's from. And I thought it was so gross. It's such a power move. Yeah, I don't like where he's coming from this because... Because he's in his comfort zone. Like, he, he's yeah. used to everything that's going to come, and she's not. Yeah. But he uses almost that against her as a control point. A perfect example. She doesn't know where anything is. So when they pulled over, she thought that she was just being left there, or possibly that this is where their service was. He gets out of the car, closes the door, and walks away. Doesn't tell her where she's going, where she's at, if he's going to be back. We find out later that he is picking up the kids from school. But she didn't know that. He didn't say, hey, can you wait for me here a second? I'm going to get the kids. Nope, because he's punishing her. And he wants to use this mind game of, you don't know shit. I could drop you off at any moment. You won't know where you are and you won't be able to get anywhere. When they finally get to the building for Judma, he walks in. He goes to his portion. She goes and prays with his mother. But the issue is at the end, he didn't introduce her to anyone. He walked around and talked to everyone. He shook hands. He had a great time. And she had to stand quietly by herself. I kind of have a little bit of a knock for the family, too, because I guess in their religion, when when they're doing sort of their praying time, the men are on one side and the women on the others. So, so Shida was essentially with his mom the whole time. Why didn't the mom introduce her to anyone or conversate with her like that? I'm wondering if she had to jet out real quick. So she wasn't even there for any of this or she was following her son's lead, which I really hope wasn't the case. Hopefully she was just like, all right, the service was great. It was great to see you again. I got to head out. See you later. And that was it. Also, it was interesting that she didn't meet the wife inside. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. During all of the talking time. Wouldn't they be next to each other? Yeah. I thought that was weird. Quick meeting outside. I didn't take much from it. I didn't think it was a bad meeting or a good meeting. I think it was just very I down did to business. Like the pickup of Balil's ex already had a kid with someone else. Yeah. So she's fully been, moved on. She's been moved on, which probably actually will become a future talking point because Shida wants a kid. I was like, yes. dude, even your ex has had a kid by now. Oh, what if she wanted more kids? He didn't. They oh, broke up. Shida's gosh. coming in, wants yes. a kid. And he's yes. like, I don't know. You're on to something. I'm feeling this. I'm, I'm feeling this energy. Okay, we're putting it out there. Okay. That's the storyline. Okay. I was just about to get there. Like, man, she should totally talk with the ex and be like, why didn't it work out? Mm-hmm. Things I should look get out for. Get the dirt. Get the yeah. dirt from your side. And then she'll be like, oh, I wanted more oh, kids. Oh, that would be hard. And he didn't. She's like, oh, well, you don't say. You need to go home. Hmm. Wow. That'd be horrible. You know, to continue the discipline as Bailal opens the door for Shida and puts her in the car, he says, I'm really upset with you. So Shida earlier talked about, oh, he's a bit uptight. I think he's been single a little too long. (laughs) But also, he is using the same language that I could see him using towards his kids. Yes. It's like the only thing he knows because maybe he's just been in that mode for a couple years, but... He needs to understand that it's completely different. I don't even allow him to get away with that. This is another adult, someone that you're sleeping with, someone that you have an intimate relationship with. How can you treat them like the the language that he uses is so, so unnecessary for a partner? I have a couple points here. He drops her off at the house. 
I don't know where he went with his kids. Okay. Yeah. I imagine he went to go drop off the kids at their mom's, but Maybe. they were just with the mom. So why didn't they just go with her? I don't know. It's very. It was very weird. I have. I have no idea what the fuck this guy's planning. Maybe is. they went out for frozen yogurt and they were like, "We're not having but, this but, lady come but, with us." But then, if you're doing something like that, you're also then not including her. Now you're but like, "But that's well, his plan." Well, let me just drop you off. I'm treating you as an other. You're not part of our family. That's of course a mental game he would play. I don't put that past him. I would love to know what the conversations were after they dropped her yes, off. Yes. What did the him and the kids talk about? Did the kids pick up on the energy? Oh yeah. Like, oh, you guys aren't talking that much. What's going on? When they kind of meet up in this sitting area, we find out that Bilal basically is going back on what he said. He doesn't feel like going out anymore. And so, I mean, it looks like she took time to get ready, yep, do her thing. He didn't text her and say, hey, I think we should stay in and work on this or anything. We should have a conversation. Nope. You just fully let her get ready and get excited about having a date night. So this was a, a control thing that I think was going to come up. Yep. He is saying... Yeah, I don't really feel like going out. We had an argument. We need to talk about it. And then he's basically waiting for her to apologize mm-hmm. and sort of forgive him or forgive her. And then he would say, you know what? I do feel like going out again. And that's like, this is like this weird yep. You are going thing. to be rewarded in the end. Well, for being submissive. Yes. Doing what I say right. and what I want. Right. She apologizes. And he just keeps going on and on about what she did wrong. She apologized multiple times in this scene. He says the issue is that she kept it going and kept it going and kept it going. And all I could think about during this scene was you are doing that right now. You're keeping it going even after she apologized. I oddly still think it's going to work somehow. Oh, there's, I'm sure they're still together, yeah, but yeah. I don't like yeah. how he treats her. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, Jabri's mom is uh, a little much for me this episode. Miona says she's not comfortable living in Jabri's mom's house, and I I can see that now. When Jabri left to make music, why didn't he take Miona? I have no why idea. Why couldn't she just hang out? Like, isn't she he just play going, on her phone. Is the studio just some dude's garage, and they're yes. just going to go party it up? But she could have a drink. I don't know. Let her hang out. I highly doubt she's the only like girlfriend or significant other there. I didn't like the energy as soon as Mama Jabri came in the room. Oh, it looks like you are cleaning in here. Get out of my room. No. Right. Don't talk about the cleanliness. It's like day two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Jibri's mom teaches Miona how to use the washer and dryer. They talk about various temperatures. But Miona's like, I think I could have figured it out on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Jibri's mom asked if Miona's top was for her hair. She knew damn better. Miona's quick with this. When Jibri's mom's talking about kind of appropriate clothing for their area and what she should wear, Miona said, that's another reason to move. Loved it. Give her shit. The yes. I was like, what? Jibri's mom says, to be honest, you seem really intelligent. And wearing a shirt like you showed me can take away from that. It can be a distraction. She follows it up by asking Miona to dress more modest around the house, especially when Brian is around. Get your man in check. Don't fucking put this on Miona. That was when wild, weird, super fucking weird. If you do not trust your husband and he cannot control his eyes, you have a much bigger problem than Miona dressing the way that she wants to dress. I guess. I I wonder, I hope that isn't an issue, but the mom was either nervous or like had nowhere to go that she kind of maybe threw him under the bus. 
It makes me uncomfortable. But I hope not. And I was like, that is going to make her living there super fucking weird. I would never be comfortable again in that house. So I have to watch out for this guy? I don't need yeah. to be alone in this house then. I'm surprised because his mom seems more to me like, I mean, she's a psychologist. She mm-hmm. seems like someone that would be very, like, woman empowerment. Do what you want. Like, don't fuck what other people say about you. Like, don't let people judge you. And I was really surprised. I was taken back this by was that. Even a, this is even a talking point. I get they probably live in a more conservative area of the U.S., but their mom's from Portland, Oregon. It's I a mean, free area. We live in the Northwest. It's a more accepting area. I mean, they have like fucking the na- city itself. I the should city say. itself, and they have like fucking naked bike rides, nude beaches. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, what? You know, you change into like kind of like where you move. That's or, true. Like, like, what if she only spent ten years there, and then her whole adult life was in South Dakota? Sure, I, I get that. I get that, but I I don't know. I I think wasn't a good look because this does put more fuel to the fire that they need to get out of here. It does. It totally does. When Jabri's talking to his mom about what happened, his mom says that she's more concerned that Miona's being fake with her. But I don't think holding your tongue and trying to be respectful is fake. I just think you just don't want to start a full-blown argument with someone's mother. You mm-hmm. grit your teeth, you get through it, and that's it. I, I don't think she's being fake. Hell, she had a little zinger back. Well, that's why we want to move. Jabri's mom had another line that I had to take a double take on. She said, Miona expects everyone to do everything for her because she's pretty or because she shows her breasts. And that's inappropriate. Have you gotten that from her? No. I think she probably, like, I don't look at anyone's social media unless someone tells me there's, like, something juicy on it. Then I'll go peek. But even if she had a scantily clad Instagram. Sure. Who cares? I, I don't know that she's expecting everyone to do things for her because she dresses in small clothing or because she's pretty. I don't know, I man. Guess, I guess what I was thinking of is more of a day-to-day life thing mm-hmm. of like, oh, you look pretty, so people will do things for you. But I'm like, I, mean, I don't know if I've seen that, though, on the show. Pretty people are treated better, I think, but I don't see her using that as like a weapon or anything or expecting more because she is pretty. I think she has really high expectations, for example. I'm going to start a makeup line. I'm going to do this, that, that. I mean, those are high expectations. But I don't know if it has to do with because she shows her breasts. <laughs> Anything else on them? No, n- nothing more. The only thing that I caught from Jabri and his mom was when they kind of talk about he lives like a fast lifestyle. This is actually him slowing down this whole 90-day period. But then the mom says, you know, you run fast enough, eventually you're going to run into a brick wall. And he said, well, when I run into that brick wall, you know, I'm going to dust myself off and get back up. And in my head, I'm like, um, your parents are probably the ones that keep picking you up. You're living at home with them and you don't have a job. So when the mom's like, yeah, but when you run into the brick wall, you're actually hurting your loved ones. That could be emotionally. It could be financially. (laughs) That was kind of the message she was getting across, dude. Like, I, yeah, I also you, got that. Yeah, you can keep picking yourself up, but I'm not going to be around all the time to keep supporting you. And he actually mentions, like, you're not going to be around all the time. You know, I need, to, I need to, like, support myself. I'm like, you still aren't now. Exactly. You're, thir- like, 30, I think. I think 29 or 30. Yeah. Okay, I'm waiting. Then we see Ari make Benny coffee American style. He was talking mad shit. Why? Oh, <laughs> if you're going to... Bring this out and say it's coffee American style. Don't give him Keurig coffee. 
funny when Vinny's like, it tastes like it's water. water. <laughs> Interesting. It'd be funny if he got like some Starbucks. He's like, this is not coffee. This is like sugar. <laughs> it's just sugar. This is sugar. Kind of the big theme in this segment was Ari being really stressed about the financials that will be quickly approaching and Benny being a big dreamer. But I see it kind of differently. Of course, Ari stressed and rightfully so, but I don't know if I would say Benny is, oh, he's just dreaming. I need to bring him down. I feel like he's a hustler. He always did what he had to get by. Yeah, he worked all these odd jobs, but he was working and bringing in income. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, when you're when you're living in these environments, like you gotta hustle, you gotta work multiple jobs. Like, and I, I don't think it's fair to say he's dreaming. I think he's thinking, all right, I'm gonna hustle. Like, yeah, if I'm gonna live here, like I need to, I need to do some stuff. His big dream is to be an MMA fighter, and Ari goes on about how that doesn't make much money, but it's still more than they're currently bringing in. So I would say go for it. It's also, if you notice, more of a job opportunity than anything Ari has talked about, which has been nothing. Yes. She has said nothing about what she plans to do, where she wants to work, what her goals are. Applying. Benny's just throwing out all kinds of shit like, oh, I want to do this, want to do that. Oh, we could live here. Like, Which I don't think is bad considering there's no plan. And it feels like I have heard nothing of that on Ari's side. Nope. Nothing. Which is actually more surprising because, hello, you're the American in America. I feel like you'd kind of take the lead on this. Ari is showing Benny around Princeton in her parents' car, and he really likes it. He says it's peaceful. And Ari just keeps reminding him how expensive it is. I like when Benny, he actually countered, he's like, if this place is, and actually he countered this later, but I'll just get into it now. He said, if it's so expensive and we can't afford to live here, why did we move here? And that makes sense. Why didn't they move a half hour out of town, an hour out of town? I I assume it's because they need Ari's parents' help physically. There's a little counter there because even when they were living in Ethiopia, I mean, the parents are paying for the apartment. And you said physically, but they had a nanny there too. That's what I'm saying though, because they don't have the nanny. So mom and dad will take the spot of watching the kid, which we already see this episode. I know grandparents want to watch their grandkids, but her parents are also seem much older. I don't know how much energy they have to like be watching your kid, especially if you're working a full-time gig. I don't think it matters. You, you love on those grandbabies. So they go to NYC, and I loved seeing how excited Benny was. Loved seeing everything, the train, the water fountain, the people, the buildings. What a pure joy moment. And I loved being able to see it. Yeah. It kind of gives me some flashbacks when we went. It kind of just seems like an endless row of <laughs> buildings sky- and skyscrapers. And... You're like, holy shit, that street can go on for fucking ever. It is, it is pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see that. Benny, man, he got fit as fuck. Oh my God. His pecs are this, so. This dude is shredded. Buff. His pecs shredded. go up to like his collarbone. Although, honestly, oh, that's one of the things he mentioned, like of, of things he's been training in. Honestly, in a ritzy part of town with a bunch of rich people, being a fitness trainer is not a bad way to go. It's not. And if they could have somehow swing it to have him open up his own place. And when my fitness trainer looks like many, yeah, I probably want to be trained by that guy. Okay. <laughs> probably. Ed's inner Benny explains that basically he wants to move to NYC. And it doesn't seem like it was an immediate plan. It was something like, oh, I would love to live here is how I took it. And Ari was flustered immediately. She says that he does not appreciate what her parents have done for them. And 
just, I don't hold, that holds no water because saying you don't appreciate them just because you want to live on your own with your family, that that's not a correlation. Isn't that the plan to someday move away or live independently from your parents paying your rent? Why is that such a bad thing? I didn't take it as he immediately wants to move to New York tomorrow. I think Ari doesn't know how to live without her parents. We got the perfect example of it. Ari said that she spent most of her adult life abroad. She has never paid for her own apartment. She's never paid a utility bill. Even if you were abroad, you would pay for bills. So her parents funded her entire adult life up to this point. This is a great example to you young people that sort of have these ambitions to travel and explore the world. Now, that's great and all, and you'll get a lot of life experiences or at least hopefully hopefully some lessons out of that. But it just shows you just because you have traveled the world does not mean you are ready to be an adult, that you are prepared. I mean, look at Ari. You've never rented an apartment? Never paid a bill, it sounds like. A utility bill? Yeah. I mean, you must see that, like, it, 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 just be careful and just shows you you're not, don't, don't get too big for your britches because there are life lessons to learn outside of just traveling the world. Ari says that Biddy is a dreamer and she always has to be the practical one. But if you never paid rent and never paid a bill, I do not want to hear that from you. She ends the conversation by saying, maybe I'm not important to you and maybe we shouldn't get married. All because this guy wants to dream a little. As my mother always says, it's free to dream. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's interesting how it's like an ultimatum. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, real quick. Like, whoa, okay. I was just trying to express my dreams. how did I not even mention this? The most disgusting thing she said. I brought you here. He is not a possession. That's where Bidium should have said, yeah, you brought me here. But um, that kind of also makes you responsible. So you should probably figure it out. You should probably get a job. Probably get a job. (laughs) Thaï starts out by reiterating that she does not want John to live with them. The theme that will be all season, I'm assuming. They had their first sex in the United States. Awkward. They told John to turn the TV up loud. Everyone is like way too tightly strung. Yeah. The whole drinking in the morning thing, it was kind of annoying to me because I'm like, okay, don't don't act like people in other parts of the world don't drink early. No. Like, come on, let's let's not even make this a thing. I did feel like John was lit the entire episode though. I did think he was. I'm buzzing. gonna. I will defend early drinking. I love a brunch, but right, right. I thought he was lit the entire episode. He was buzzing. Was I thought it was weird that he wanted to eat breakfast as a family. Like just, just let them eat their breakfast. You, you are capable of making your own food. But Don't the, try to flip a steak. The timing, the timing was way off because like Patrick finished making eggs and like fruit, and, and then you like, run in and he's it's like, like, oh, well, I'll start yeah. making a steak. I'm like, what? why? Smokes out the house. Tries to flip a steak, flips it on the ground. So happy they caught that on camera. I know. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. And then he's then he's insulted that they don't want to eat the floor steak. What is the self-serve beer wall at the mini golf place? I'm very intrigued. I have never seen this. Me neither. They, they, so you scan he, a card. Does he live in Austin area? Maybe. I don't actually remember where he lives. But yeah, it, it seems like there's glasses on the bottom. You scan a card. Maybe there's like this thing where you have to like check in, check ID, and you get like a yeah. almost like a video game card, like an arcade. Yeah, but for yeah. Beer. Oh, you load it with like twenty five bucks, and then you can just scan that, How and, fun. It, and it'll just give you your drink. Also, I'm horrible at pouring beer, so I just have foam glasses. 
That was really kind of cool. Yeah, so fun. You can pour how much you want, I I've assume. Never, I've never seen that. I would love to go there. Mini golf seemed to go pretty well. It was pretty decent. Only some pretty, little shit talking, which yeah. is great, honestly. For the most part, it went pretty well. Uh, John and Patrick had a very strong heart-to-heart. They did. And what I took from it is they have a lot of shared childhood trauma. And I think especially John feels like Patrick's the only one that really understands what he went through and what they went through collectively. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bond there that he probably doesn't want to lose. Yeah, Patrick does a good way of expressing, like, I want us to be a family. You know, I want her to, like, love you like I love you. You're my brother. They start crying, which I was like, damn, I was getting a little emotional. It did got not, intense. Did not expect yeah. this, but I like... It was probably building over I the like, last 24 I like me hours. some emotion. I think Patrick did a good job of sort of telling John that, hey, man, you do need to lighten up a little bit and not be so harsh on her because it is very important that you guys like each other. Yeah. It was a good conversation that they had to have because the energy, even that first morning, was way too intense. But I like them together. They feel like a real couple and nice and they're not just on here for clout, I don't think. They seem like a normal couple. They actually seem like a real couple, which is we love really good. (laughs) We get one scene with Eve and Muhammad and no fun. We, have, <laughs> we don't like the picking and choosing of a culture or a religion. Like in one that ex- you're holding someone else right. to that does in, not in, want to be that religion or that culture. In one example, you're telling Eve that you know, you're know you not allored to be in the home with a stranger or really, really you met another man. You can't. Yeah, you cannot be home with another man. Which the only reason... This individual's here is because you can't figure out how to put in a fucking bidet. <laughs> yes, and you didn't even really try. Okay. But he was home, so I thought it was okay. But he makes it clear that when the man enters the home, that he is supposed to be called. So Eve is supposed to call Mohammed, and Mohammed has to be there. I did like that Eve says, well, like, I'm not, like, a Muslim woman. And also, you're in America. Like, you're, you know, I'm an American. Like, yes. we, there's different cultures there. You need to be understandable of that. But the whole picking and choosing we don't like, and they kind of previewed another next time on, is the only reason they're even a couple is because he pinged her from a photo of her in a bathing suit. Yes. Which isn't even allowed to be worn in his country. Nope. And because they're together, she's now no longer allowed to wear that. It's like the hypocrite in that is insane. He wants to turn this woman into the perfect Muslim woman, even though she's not Muslim and she has no desire. Well, she's expressed no desire to become Muslim. This is all in front of the plumber. And boy, I bet that man has never put a bidet in so fast. The boy was sweating. Get me out of here. Moving. He's like, I'm installing this bitch in record time and I'm still charging for the hour. (laughs) That's right. Eve says, I didn't know about all of these rules. Muhammad replies with, I'm glad you learned one more rule today. I, I know <laughs> translation and stuff, but man, it's I not know. sounding it's not sounding good it's right now. No, no, no. And he's like, Well, should I keep a, a notebook or a list? He's like, Yeah, if that would work for you, yeah, keep a list. He's like, I'm I'm pretty much kidding. Yeah. He's like, No, no, if that would work for you, yeah, make a list. Know what will make me comfortable and what will not. Now I don't so far, I don't think Muhammad's a bad guy at all. I just think that his he's idea... going too hard, though. Yeah, he's going too hard. And his idea of what Eve would do to sort of 
mesh into his culture. I, I mean, they've been talking for two years yeah. remote. I mean, you should, be, many you should times. be having these conversations of what it is like when you come over. Like, I am not Muslim. Like, I am not from your country. Like, the rules here are different. For two, I mean, come on. You're talking for two years online. You need to have these yeah. conversations. It can't just be all roses and dreaming of the future. Hey, like, when what you are get your here, expectations? When you get here, I will you be able to help with my son? Yes. That's an expectation. Yes, that's and if you say no, it's not going to work. Okay. Wouldn't let's... that be nice? But everyone wants to live in this fantasy world that, of course, like they've said all these beautiful, nice things. Of course, they're going to be willing to work hard for me and help me. And yeah, that's great to think of. But humans are very interesting creatures. Mm. One last thing on them is, did you notice that Mohammed put himself physically between Eve and the plumber? Yes, I did. Ugh. I did. It, it was interesting. I, he said, you know, you need to keep your, your distance. Yep. I feel like we learned a lot more about Kara and Guillermo's relationship this episode. We didn't get a lot of time, but it was a pretty good scene. When they're meeting up with Kara's friends, we learn that they're going to introduce alcohol as a storyline. I did think it was weird that she asked for the alcohol content of the beer. And then they only said 3.2. And hopefully she was being sarcastic when she was like, let's get Liddy. <laughs> it was like 3.2. Here's, um, here's another rub, though. Usually when we go drinking, we don't ask for the percentage. No. So that's why. But that's what I'm saying. They're building this storyline. And yeah. that was the perfect. Maybe she just asked to ask because clearly yeah. 3.2 isn't high. And she wasn't worried about it being higher. So it just perfectly fell into the storyline. Maybe she was worried that it was too high and she did want to watch herself that day. So she was honestly, like, yeah, perfect. 3.2. Honestly, this isn't the best of friends here. No, <laughs> They because asked way too, many, all the, too much weird questions. Well, all the questions were, it wasn't, um, what has your best moment been together? It's, no, what's all your, negative. What's your worst argument ever? I'm, I would never ask that of anyone. Oh, okay. I'm not going to ask someone to relive a horribly dark moment with their partner. What if it was like, oh, yeah, Guillermo punched me in the face. Like, yeah. Oh, that's. Let's separate oh, you now. Not where I thought that was going. I'm like, why'd you ask that question? <laughs> For the hundredth time we talk about the age difference. That's totally planted. This is no one. I would never give a shit. This is like five years. It's six nothing. Six, six, maybe. It's, six. They're adults. I cannot imagine people actually caring about this age difference. If he was 21 and she was 29, I still wouldn't care. Nope. Same. We find out that Kara's drinking does bother Guillermo, and he said that he would love them to remember the whole night, because she tends to only remember the beginning of the night. I thought from the look on their faces, they were like, oh, did not really expect that to be the answer. Exactly, that's how I took it too. We also find out that Kara threw his clothes out of the window before, when she looked in his phone and saw that previously he has used a line on another girl that she thought was specific to her and him. Here's the weird thing, though. I feel like what she went back to look at was very old. Not very, like... That's what I was wondering, if it was kind of recent. Old. Like, a couple months. Yeah. Which, I mean, she's like... At that time. She's like, you know, scroll, yeah. scroll, 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 scroll. Ha! That line. But... And then chucked okay, all this well, shit One out. thing I want to I go back on real quick, just for a second, yeah. is when... The friends are kind of asking, like, oh, I mean, do you think it's, like, a big deal? Kind of like the age difference. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when I when we were 23, there's no way we were married, you know, ready to get married. Mm -hmm. And I wish his response was, I don't give a fuck about how you were when you were 23. Yeah. I'm not you. He's been through a lot more in his life than you guys have. Like, I, fam, I've moved to another fucking country. Like, 
we are different 23 year olds yes, at this stage in our been lives. Been through a lot, saw a lot, been through. He's like, this is like the so third much. country I'm living in, like actually living and working. Yeah. We're, he we're was at like a different fleeing. stage. But we also find out that Guillermo goes through Kara's phone, but in front of her, so not privately. Would it? Doesn't that seem kind of. There's a weird energy there about yes, that. Yes. And I feel like there's more to this than either one of them is telling us. You think they both cheated on each other? Probably. Or there's just been hints of things that they've done that have been sketchy and the other person doesn't fully trust the other one. Both mm. both sides. Yeah. Their storyline's going to be trust and alcohol, I'm predicting. On the next time on, we see Jabri take Miona to meet Grandma. Oh, theory, theory. Mm. He's going to try to move in with Grandma. <laughs> probably. Lots of land, probably a bigger house. Yeah, I can see that. Grandma builds them a tiny home on her land. Mm-hmm, Cute. Kara mm-hmm. goes to her 10-year high school reunion where she sees a guy that she hasn't spoken to in 10 years as if a high school romance never ended poorly. Spoilers, neither of us even went to our 10-year reunion. No, I actually didn't even realize it passed at one point. I think ours just got canceled because of COVID. It did. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, I would not give a shit about what this guy says about Kara from high school. Also, I would not even want this conversation happening. If me and you went back to our high school reunion and your high school girlfriend came over and was like, he was a piece of shit when he was 17 years old. I'd be like, cool. I'm glad he matured. He's a great guy now. Thank you. Goodbye. What if it was the counter? He's like, oh, he was a great guy. Sad he got away. And you're like, yeah, bitch. He's with me. Like, (laughs) yeah, I take that as a compliment. Okay, good thing. (laughs) Bye. Kobe is upset that Emily won't let him drive. I have thoughts. Motherfucker, you, you don't even got a fucking license here. Calm maybe he doesn't down. know you need a specific S- test and license and go through a sit, bunch of things. Sit your ass down. <laughs> you ain't got a fucking license. You ain't going to be driving anytime soon. Next. So we'll see how that goes. Then we see Shida telling Bailal that she is happy and feels as if she has met the right person. To which Bailal responds with, maybe the person I'm meant to be with doesn't exist. Now I'll say theory. it's editing. Eh, I think it's editing. It's editing, it's editing. But he's such an asshole. I could I could see him saying that. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt. They tend to edit the next time on she real could, heavily. She could save so much possible emotional hurt if she was just straight up and was like, are you going to give me some fucking kids or not? But okay. he will not have that conversation. Like, if you won't have this conversation right now, I'm fucking out Then it might as well just be a I'm no. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. Because, yeah, it might as well be a no. I'm out. Then we see another incident that I feel is also an editing issue. We see Ari and Benny meet up with family for dinner, and that is where the green card is brought up. And Benny says that his sisters said that Ari can just sign for his green card. And I feel like that's going to be followed up with a redeeming sentence or that was a follow-up to something else that they were talking about. But we'll see. Not not a great snippet, (laughs) but hoping that there is some follow-up. Then we see Yves take Mohammed to meet her friends. He has a hard time looking at them because their breasts are more out than he is comfortable with. On the ride home, Mohammed said that Yves would change herself to be with him. And she calls straight bullshit. He asks, are you going to pick a bikini over me? And I say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anything else for either of these shows? No, great show. Appreciate y'all sticking with us. It's going to be a long one, but hey, there's going to be time sense. Feel free to skip ahead. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for your patience and for still being here and hanging out with us. We appreciate you always. We have the best listeners. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. 
Bye. Bye.